Hello, my name is Nigel Bowden. I'd like to welcome you to episode 21 of the Wi-Fi for Beginners podcast. This is a series of podcasts discussing the fundamentals of wireless and networking. In each episode, we'll take a look at a different aspect of Wi-Fi to build your understanding and knowledge of wireless LAN networks. Each episode is accompanied by a set of slides describing the topics covered in that episode. And although you don't need to review these slides while listening to the podcast, they may be useful for reviewing the material we discuss and may provide some visual aids to help you more fully understand some of the concepts and the equipment that I describe. All of the recordings and supporting materials can be found at wififorbeginners.com. This is episode number 21. Uh, The actual podcast series itself is divided into a number of major modules and there are multiple episodes within each module discussing a major topic of wireless LAN information. In this particular module, module 6, we're looking at wireless control and management and this is actually the third episode in module 6. So you might want to go back to episode number 19 to hear the first part of this module. Uh, Also, throughout the series, you do build on content from earlier modules so if this is your first time of listening to the podcast you might want to uh, go back to episode one and uh, listen to the whole series uh, to, to get all of the uh, various concepts and uh, the information that I've presented since the start of the series. Well, before we start looking at new information in this particular episode, we'll do a quick review of the topics covered in the last episode. We took a closer look at the control plane, the management plane, and the data plane, which we find within uh, wireless LAN infrastructure. Uh, We talked a little bit about the management plane, about the fact that this is often split between a dedicated centralized network management system, and we also use some management functions for management of uh, APs uh, from the wireless LAN controller itself. The management plane is typically used to deliver fixed configuration settings to uh, wireless LAN infrastructure equipment, things like SSID names, VLAN settings, 802.11 amendment support, security methods, things like that. And uh, the the concept of providing all of these functions is known as the management plane of the 802.11 network. And as we discussed previously, this is often split between uh, a combination of a dedicated wireless management platform and the management functionality of the wireless LAN controller itself. Uh, Very often, the management platform will provide uh, SNMP queries through to the wireless LAN controller, which acts as a proxy, passing on uh, management settings to the wireless access points themselves. In addition to the management function, we also discussed the requirement for a control function within a wireless LAN environment. This function is known as the control plane of the wireless network, and uh, it's generally provided by uh, something like a centralized wireless LAN controller. The wireless LAN controller is very well placed uh, to provide a centralized control function as as a global view of the network, so it can make these uh, centralized decisions and coordinate uh, all of the activity across the wireless LAN infrastructure. We also mentioned that the uh, centralized wireless LAN controller is not the only option for the control mechanism. Uh, we've also got the solution from AeroHive, which provides a distributed control system amongst APs and is uh, actually a controllerless solution. We also briefly mentioned the data plane within uh, wireless LAN infrastructure. Uh, This is the actual physical and logical path which is taken by the user traffic which flows across the wireless LAN network. Uh, We've got a number of options in terms of the implementation there and we can actually uh, have centrally switched or locally switched traffic uh, which we'll be looking at in a little bit more detail in this particular episode. We also looked at a number of form factors for the uh, implementation of the wireless LAN controller. We looked at traditional 19-inch dedicated hardware platforms. We looked at smaller uh, branch level hardware platforms. We looked at uh, 
cloud-based solutions uh, where the actual implementation of the controller itself is hidden. It may be a uh, hardware platform or a VM. It's just presented as a, a wireless LAN controller uh, service and these uh, these tend to scale uh, from mid-sized enterprise sort of deployments down to SME type level. We also discussed uh, virtualized implementations of wireless LAN controllers where we can actually have a, a VM in the uh, in the data center maybe instead of uh, having a hardware platform and we can sort of scale the resources of that as uh, as required we also looked at dual function APs, which are uh, APs which have got sufficient resources to act as uh, both a mini wireless LAN controller uh, as well as an access point themselves. And these tend to be used in branch uh, SME scale uh, implementations where you can have one access point acting as a mini controller to uh, a number of wireless access points. We also looked at unified access uh, where the actual wireless LAN controller functionality is built into the native OS of uh, a switch device. And again, we also briefly mentioned uh, the fact that we don't actually always need a wireless LAN controller to provide our control function. Uh, we looked at AeroHive, which can actually distribute its control function amongst its APs in a cooperative control system. Okay, we're going to move into some uh, new information now. Uh, we're going to dig a little bit deeper into some of the functionality that uh, wireless LAN controllers will provide for us. If you're following along with the slide deck for this particular module, this is module number six, and we'll be starting at slide number 25. Uh, one of the things we need to consider is uh, the selection of the wireless LAN controller uh, that is going to be suitable for our particular requirements. We talked about a number of different form factors which are available. And uh, the selection of a particular model or architecture is going to be very much driven by uh, our network size, things like the number of clients, the number of access points, the throughput requirements we've got for our wireless LAN infrastructure. And uh, that's also going to be driven to a degree by the vendor architecture which is available for the vendor that's been been selected for the solution and uh, just thinking back to um, some of the functions that we might need from our wireless LAN controller we've, we've got the functions we've already talked about we've talked about the fact that we need a centralized coordination point for uh, larger wireless networks it becomes very difficult to manage and configure them uh, once we get beyond a handful of access points things like the uh, um, AP channels which are being used need to be coordinated AP power settings we need to think about things like roaming uh, moving security keys between access points uh, so security is a, a very big piece of that uh, but in addition to that there are also other services which benefit from the centralized nature of a wireless LAN controller. Uh, beyond that we've also got things like the uh, monitoring of clients which are connected uh, across our wireless LAN infrastructure. Uh, we've got services such as um, Bonjour and Apple services. Uh, these are services which benefit greatly from a uh, centralized system. We can have centralized services on the wired side of our wireless network which need to be made available uh, across the wireless LAN infrastructure and the wireless LAN controller itself can act as a bonjour gateway advertising those services out to wireless clients. Uh, also because we've got uh, traffic which is perhaps centralised through our wireless LAN controller we can do things like centralised traffic filtering which can be very useful for uh, content management. We can do rate limiting if we actually want to limit uh, things like maybe guest networks. We want to limit the amount of bandwidth that they're uh, eating up on our network. We can also do centralised uh, packet inspection and make uh, policy decisions based on that and that's certainly very applicable to uh, packet inspection and applying 
uh, quas policy decisions based on things like application uh, that are flowing across the network, allowing us to prioritize various uh, applications over others, maybe mission critical applications need priority. And uh, also very useful for gathering data about clients from access points uh, when we're thinking about services uh, such as location services where we'd maybe like to track uh, clients or devices uh, which are moving around our wireless LAN infrastructure and we can provide uh, triangulation type services and allow the tracking of um, uh, clients and devices which can again be a very valuable service and having all of that data centralised through a wireless LAN controller certainly helps in simplifying the whole data gathering process. So there are certainly some great benefits to having uh, this centralised data flow, this centralised architecture. We also need to think about how our wireless LAN controller is actually going to connect into our wired network. Obviously, uh, wireless LAN infrastructure is uh, very much about getting wireless traffic onto the wired infrastructure so that we can uh, send it along to all of the various services available across our wired infrastructure. And uh, it will very much vary with the size and the topology of the wired network that we've got and that we're connecting the wireless LAN infrastructure onto. Uh, in larger enterprise campus type environments, we tend to connect it at the distribution or maybe the core layer of the network, often in a data center and it will generally be connected by uh, some sort of um, gig Ethernet ports or multiple gig Ethernet ports. Maybe we've got some uh, 10 gig trunks uh, we connect it up to or maybe even some uh, uh, N-Base T 2.5 or 5 gig uh, connections onto our switched infrastructure. For branch environments, we've often got uh, two options. We may well deploy smaller controllers at each of the branches and connect them up to the wired infrastructure at each branch or we may have one large centralised wireless LAN controller at the data centre uh, with maybe some of the traffic switched out at the edge for, uh, for local services. We also need to think about the connectivity of our wireless access points back to uh, the wireless LAN controller. Uh, they generally form some sort of uh, automated layer 3 connection back to the wireless LAN controller. Uh, the APs don't need to be in the same subnets or physically connected to the wireless LAN controller. They're usually uh, installed somewhere remotely from a logical networking point of view and they'll find their way back to the wireless LAN controller through uh, one of a variety of mechanisms. We can use uh, DHCP and DNS type mechanisms to uh, tell the AP where it can find uh, the wireless LAN controller. Uh, the, the AP just generally needs to get some sort of IP connectivity and it will form some sort of logical tunnel back to the wireless LAN controller that will pass uh, its control traffic and potentially some of its uh, user data as well. Uh, and the protocols we tend to use for these logical tunnels is uh, LWAP, which is a Cisco proprietary protocol. We've got CAPWAP, which is more of an open standard for forming tunnels between access points and and wireless LAN controllers, and uh, some vendors also use GRE tunnels to connect their access points back to the wireless LAN controller. We've mentioned the data plane now a few times, and we've also touched on the concept of centralised switching and local switching. I just want to expand on that a little bit more now. This is one of those occasions where I'm going to ask you if at all possible to maybe have a look at the slide deck if you've got access to it. Looking at slide number 28 and 29 in the slide deck. Uh, in case you haven't actually got access to it, I'll sort of just talk through it now. But uh, certainly it's worth uh, having a look at when you uh, when you get a few moments. And uh, we actually show the difference 
difference between uh, central switching of the data plane and uh, remote local switching uh, of the data plane for user traffic. So just thinking, at, first of all, about central switching, if you can imagine we've actually got uh, wireless uh, devices, our wireless clients talking to a wireless access point. The wireless access point itself has actually built a logical tunnel uh, back to the wireless LAN controller. Uh, as I said previously, it's generally something like a CATWAP or an LWAP type tunnel. So we've got connectivity between the access point and the wireless LAN controller. And then over this tunnel, we uh, generally pass control traffic between the access points and the wireless LAN controller. Uh, but we can also take the uh, user traffic from our clients and pass it through the tunnel and send it all the way through to the wireless LAN controller. And then at the wireless LAN controller, it can be dropped out onto a VLAN, which resides locally at the wireless LAN controller, and uh, it can be switched onto local services uh, near to the controller, which is generally going to be in something like a data center, or it can be sent out towards the internet to give the user internet connectivity. So all of the user traffic flows from the uh, wireless client through the AP over the tunnel between the AP and the wireless LAN controller, and then the wireless LAN controller drops it out at the centralized data center uh, out to something like the internet or local services. I just want to contrast that for a moment with local switching. So in contrast to centralized switching, again, we have the wireless client devices which associate with an access point. The access point actually builds its uh, logical tunnel back to the wireless LAN controller. And over the uh, AP to wireless LAN controller tunnel, we have our control traffic as we did before. But this time, instead of user data going across the AP to WLC tunnel, uh, it can actually be dropped off at the local access point uh, onto a local LAN switch so that the wireless LAN clients at the uh, local end of the connection can actually talk with local services. This is typically used in things like branch environments so the traffic flow will be from a wireless client device through the access point onto the local switch at the branch and it will drop onto a local VLAN to access local services uh, within the sort of branch environment. Uh, we can also have a combination of the two and this is a very common deployment. We can actually have an access point uh, to wireless LAN controller uh, configuration whereby we have uh, traffic on one SSID which is dropped onto uh, the local LAN infrastructure maybe if we've got some devices which want to access a local branch service and uh, then we can also have a separate SSID which is maybe provided something like a guest type service uh, where we actually have the uh, client data which is sent all the way from the uh, branch AP through the tunnel to the wireless LAN controller at the data center and then maybe sent out to uh, services in the DC or out to uh, to the internet uh, to provide guest services. So uh, two very important concepts there. We've got central switching where the uh, client data goes all the way back to the controller and uh, it's uh, handled at the controller end of things usually in the DC and then we've got local switching whereby client traffic actually drops off on the local access point rather than traveling back to the central controller uh, so that it can access local services to the access point.
And just to revisit the uh, the building of wireless access point tunnels again, we briefly touched on it uh, a couple of slides ago and just going to revisit it in a little bit more detail. So we talked about the fact that uh, wireless access points have to build some sort of logical tunnel uh, back to the wireless LAN controller. The wireless access point has to be given some sort of method to enable it to find the wireless LAN controller. So uh, a typical sequence of events will be that a wireless access point is actually powered on and it will actually get uh, its IP address address via DHCP uh, and it is possible to actually use DHCP options to pass back the address of the wireless LAN controller uh, so that the AP can find its way to the wireless LAN controller and build a tunnel and uh, start its operations. If we aren't passing back DHCP options it's also possible to use uh, well-known DNS names so through DHCP the AP will uh, be able to access DNS and it will use a, a pre-coded, pre-configured uh, factory set DNS name that it tries to resolve, which will resolve to the IP address of the wireless LAN controller itself. Uh, it can also use some local layer 2 broadcast techniques as well to try and find a controller, but this is uh, very rarely used these days as APs are usually uh, multiple layer 3 hops away from their wireless LAN controller, so layer 2 broadcasts don't actually work too well. And uh, the connection from the AP to the wireless LAN controller, as we've said, is generally some sort of layer 3 tunnel, very much like a, a VPN tunnel type arrangement uh, over which we can pass the control and management uh, traffic. And optionally, as we've said, if we're using centralized switching, we can actually pass user uh, traffic between the AP and the wireless LAN controller over the tunnel. Uh, we tend to use uh, protocols such as LWAP, CATWAP, and GRE to build the tunnel between the AP and the wireless LAN controller. And uh, once the access point has actually talked to the controller, uh, the first time it talks, it will actually compare its version of code that it's running to the uh, wireless LAN controller. And usually if there's a difference between the code that's running on the AP and the code that's running on the wireless LAN controller, then the AP will automatically download the code uh, that the wireless LAN controller is currently running so that it actually stays in sync from a version point of view uh, with the wireless LAN controller. And using this mechanism, uh, wireless access points always run at the same software revision as the wireless LAN controllers that they're connected to. Uh, once it's downloaded its uh, its operating code, it'll actually generally reboot, which can take a few moments, uh, and then it'll rejoin the wireless LAN controller using the same version of code, and uh, then it can commence operations and uh, handle the user traffic. We've already talked uh, in a reasonable amount of depth already about the uh, the data plane, but I just want to return to it for a moment now, just drill into a, a few more concepts which are quite important. We talked about the fact that uh, having centralised data flows whereby all of the uh, user traffic flows from the access point through the tunnel uh, form between the AP and the wireless LAN controller uh, all the way back to the uh, centralised controller, which can be very handy uh, for centralising services uh, such as uh, application filtering, rate limiting, uh, centralising DHCP in one centralised point can also be uh, very useful. And uh, it certainly makes things a lot easier in terms of provisioning and managing compared to uh, the edge provisioning and, and managing uh, of these services. But um, centralising these data flows doesn't always uh, bring us all of the advantages uh, that we might like. Uh, one of the disadvantages with uh, centralising data flows is that all of our user traffic is sent to the core. So if we imagine very large networks, all data from all wireless clients travelling back to the core uh, may 
create uh, fairly significant problems. We may not actually want all of the data to go back to the core. There may be some uh, services which are local to the clients and we don't want them all going back there. Also, the wireless LAN controller itself can actually become a uh, choke point within the network. Uh, there's obviously only so much throughput and so much bandwidth that a single controller can provide. And then we have to maybe start looking at providing multiple controllers to split the load up and then the engineering of the solution becomes a little bit more complex. Uh, we may also run into bandwidth considerations with centralized data flows, uh, particularly when we start thinking about one bandwidth considerations. If we send everything back to uh, one central point, we can certainly start running into uh, one bandwidth problems. And uh, due to these uh, advantages or disadvantages of the centralized traffic flow model, most WLC manufacturers provide two modes of operation uh, for data plane. As we've already talked about, we've got the uh, edge switched mode and we've got the central switched mode. Uh, edge switch mode, uh, as we've already talked about, uh, it will actually drop uh, client traffic onto uh, a local VLAN, uh, local to the wireless access point itself, uh, onto the local switch. One point to note about this is because we're now actually dropping traffic onto a local VLAN and we still have to provide uh, management and control traffic back to the centralized uh, wireless LAN controller from the AP. Uh, we've actually now got uh, two uh, VLANs which are being used by the access point itself. Uh, we usually have one for management traffic to go back to the controller and one uh, or more to actually drop um, client data onto the local uh, wired infrastructure and for this reason we have to bear in mind that our access point connection now uh, changes from being an access port on the switch to a trunk because we've actually got to carry multiple uh, VLANs between the AP and the local switch. And as we discussed, uh, with the centrally switched model, all of the client traffic travels from the AP all the way back to the wireless LAN controller and drops into a VLAN at the WLC. And in real-world deployments, we may often use a combination of the two solutions. A uh, typical scenario is to use uh, guest traffic centrally switched all the way back to the wireless LAN controller to uh, access a common internet feed where maybe all of our uh, content filtering and rate limiting is done. And then we may uh, perhaps drop corporate traffic uh, on the edge of the network near the access point onto the switched infrastructure at the branch end of things uh, to access local services there. Thinking about a few other uh, wireless LAN controller functions now, we've mentioned the, uh, the ease of having centralised services uh, with wireless LAN controllers when we think about things like uh, radio services, DHCP, centralised security services, you know, we can have firewall and ACL type uh, functions implemented at the, at the core of the network on the wireless LAN controller and we can even have things like wireless intrusion detection systems and, and this is all very useful stuff when we're considering the uh, centralised data flow uh, model of operation. Uh, as I say, very useful, very good for centralising and managing these services. But when we actually start to think about these same services when we're using uh, the locally switched model, whereby uh, client traffic actually stays local to the AP, we need to bear in mind that these services uh, very often need to be provided, again, at the edge of the network as they're not centralised. The, the client data flow isn't centralised at the wireless LAN control. We need to push them out to the edge of the network, which does actually 
increase the administrative overhead of the wireless line infrastructure, we have to start thinking about uh, making wireless access points, uh, individual radius clients instead of uh, the radius client functionality being centralised at the wireless LAN controller. We need to push out uh, firewalling and ACL configuration on a per AP basis, again out to the edge of the network. And things like DHCP helpers uh, need to be configured on the local wireless LAN infrastructure potentially uh, near the AP rather than all being centralised on the wireless LAN controller, uh, which is one of the conveniences that we get with the centralised switch model. We're just going to run through one or two other miscellaneous functions that you may actually get from a wireless LAN controller as well. Uh, think about things like uh, wireless guest portals. If you've got some sort of uh, guest solution, you maybe want to provide a coffee shop type Wi-Fi experience, uh, then the wireless LAN controller itself may provide uh, the guest portal where users are presented with a web login page and they enter their credentials or maybe some sort of self-sign-up uh, service to get them onto the uh, guest wireless network. And very often these uh, guest portals are simply a web page which may be customised with uh, a particular organisation's logo and colour schemes. And in addition to the guest portal being hosted on the wireless LAN controller itself, uh, it is actually possible to redirect to an external uh, guest portal system uh, so that the wireless LAN controller doesn't have to actually host it itself. It can be done on a third-party guest solution and this opens up quite a few other possibilities for us. Uh, it means that we can actually push out the uh, guest portal to a third party. It can be a cloud-based service or it may provide other services such as limited time access or paid-for access to a guest network. Another service which might be provided by a wireless LAN controller and certainly lends itself to the centralised nature of uh, the wireless LAN controller architecture is uh, wireless intrusion prevention or wireless intrusion detection systems. Uh, these are very often built into uh, wireless LAN controller solutions from many manufacturers and uh, the uh, Intrusion prevention or intrusion detection mechanism allows the monitoring of uh, rogue devices and uh, these may be uh, other wireless networks which are local to your wireless network or maybe even access points which have been nefariously deployed on your wired infrastructure uh, and actually present quite a security risk to your organisation. The difference between the IPS and the IDS, it's intrusion prevention system and intrusion detection system, is that the IPS system usually has has some sort of proactive uh, mechanism to allow you to deny service to actually contain rogue devices. You can actually use wireless access points on your wireless infrastructure to perform some sort of denial of a service attack on access points which are classified as rogue devices. However, this is a function which it's not really advisable to use currently. There have been quite a few legal cases around uh, containment using uh, wireless LAN uh, solutions and it's probably best to consult your legal department before using those as you could end up in uh, quite a bit of trouble uh, as you could be perceived to be attacking somebody else's uh, legitimate wireless uh, network. And finally, just to round things off, just going to very quickly run through some of the pros and cons of some of the uh, different wireless LAN controller architectures that we've uh, discussed this is just a list of items which might be useful for you to consider if you need to make a decision about whether to uh, purchase dedicated wireless LAN controller hardware or maybe a cloud solution or a VM 
And uh, so I say, we'll just run through some of the pros and cons. So if we initially consider the traditional dedicated hardware wireless LAN controller platform, uh, which we may deploy in our data center or maybe at our branch, it's still actually used in a large number of deployments. And it's actually uh, particularly popular in large enterprise type deployments where uh, it certainly provides the scalability that we want. Uh, in terms of pros, uh, it's a very easy system to understand. Uh, everyone can understand the centralized nature of it and the centralized control and management aspects very easy to administer because we're actually administering the whole wireless LAN network from one central point and the global view of the wireless LAN that it provides for us uh, for making control decisions is very good. Uh, in terms of cons, uh, there are a few disadvantages with uh, the traditional hardware centralized controller. It is actually a single point of failure potentially and very often we end up having to buy uh, high availability spare uh, to deploy next to our centralized controller. It's usually a HA spare, but again, this is additional cost. It can be cost of hardware, cost of uh, licensing, cost of uh, power and rack space, things like that in the data center. Uh, we've also got the ongoing costs of support and updating software in a wireless LAN controller platform that we maintain and install ourselves. And uh, obviously, we've got licensing considerations. Uh, we generally have some fairly uh, complex uh, licensing which is related to uh, access points numbers and uh, and features we may have uh, actually activated. If we start thinking about uh, an alternative such as a cloud controller, this is actually still a controller function which is provided in the cloud. It could be a, a hardware platform or maybe a VM. It's completely uh, invisible to the end user, but it's actually provided as a service. Uh, all of the APs still need to talk back to the controller, this time via the internet. We're not actually going over our internal network to talk to our own controller. We're actually having to get our APs to talk from wherever they are on the corporate network back over the internet to talk to the controller in the cloud data center. And generally, a cloud-based controller solution will give us a uh, web GUI, uh, which is going to provide us a view of our entire AP estate from one central point, as long as we've got our internet connection up. So in terms of disadvantages, uh, the problem with the cloud controller is obviously if you lose your internet connection, you have no AP management and you generally end up with a reduced feature set. Uh, there's also some considerations around security. Uh, obviously, one of the beauties of the cloud controller is it can be accessed from anywhere where you've got an internet connection, but obviously, uh, unless it's uh, fairly well secured, um, you know, the admin access to your entire estate can be accessed by a, a nefarious person uh, if you haven't really shored up your security aspect of your admin access to the GUI which controls your wireless LAN infrastructure. And also you've got all of your control and management data which is passing out of your own private network into the network of the service provider. The big advantages of a cloud controller are that you've got no uh, controller to install, you've got no maintenance of a ha hardware platform, you've got the convenience of administration access from anywhere in the world, anywhere you've got an internet connection, uh, you've got no ongoing hardware support challenges, it's all done for you in the cloud, and uh, this is actually uh, an operational expenditure, OPEX uh, cost rather than a capital expenditure, so uh, subscription-based models for this type of service are very attractive for many organisations. An alternative to a wireless LAN controller solution, as we've already mentioned, 
is uh, the cooperative control solution, which is provided by AeroHive. This is obviously a fairly niche solution, but we just need to be aware there is an alternative to using centralized controllers. Obviously, we don't need a uh, wireless LAN controller for this solution. Uh, the APs use cooperative uh, control protocols to make their control decisions and to exchange control data. Uh, we still actually require a centralized management platform to push out configuration and software updates. So we do have a centralized uh, management function, but no centralized control function. And this management function may be uh, either cloud-based or an on-premise appliance of some type. The obvious advantages of not having a controller is you haven't got the costs associated with the controller. You haven't got to worry about licensing, power, hardware costs, ongoing maintenance. Uh, there's a whole raft of advantages to not having the, that piece of hardware sat in your data center. Uh, in terms of disadvantages, um, it's very difficult to come up with too many disadvantages. Uh, there arguably are some complexities around configuration. We obviously have to do a lot of configuration of services at the edge of the network, uh, as opposed to having them in one central uh, location that we get with a controller. Uh, some would argue this is actually a good thing. We can actually push services such as uh, firewalling out to the edge uh, to protect the, uh, the the core of our network. But uh, that's a bit of an ongoing debate, realistically, uh, amongst wireless LAN professionals. But uh, that's just a, a bit of a, a snapshot of the uh, alternative to a wireless LAN controller that you might like to think about. Another alternative we mentioned was the dual function AP, uh, where we've got an AP of uh, high performance uh, that can actually act as a wireless LAN controller or an access point. It's often used in uh, smaller sites and branches. We've got one AP which is nominated as a controller. Uh, maybe have one or more other APs which act as a standby uh, so that if the main AP fails, so, so we lose our controller, it will actually another AP will take over. The advantages to this is we don't have a central point of failure. If we have one AP which fails, which acts as a controller, it's only limited to one particular site or area. Uh, it's very scalable, very easy to deploy for organizations that have got many small sites. And uh, also it's going to keep uh, a lot of traffic off our uh, WAN circuits if we've uh, got lots of branches or small sites and we don't really want too much traffic going back to the data center. We can keep it all contained locally because all of the controllers are effectively out at uh, each of the smaller branch sites. Uh, the disadvantage is that uh, this actually provides us with a larger estate of controllers to manage, which could be a bit of a headache if we want to manage everything from one central point. The AP that's acting as a controller is going to be limited in the number of APs that it can manage. And uh, also, uh, because we've got uh, smaller scale controllers, uh, because there are obviously hardware limitations to the access points compared to dedicated, full-blown wireless LAN controllers, uh, the actual functions which are available may actually be a subset of a dedicated wireless LAN controller platform. Well, we've covered an awful lot of uh, material in the past three episodes. We've finally come to the end of our discussions on uh, wireless LAN controllers, looking at uh, wireless LAN management control and uh, data flows. We've covered an awful lot of material there, and I'm just going to very briefly summarise 
what we've covered in this module. Uh, we've actually talked about the need for management and control, and that was particularly looking at the scalability aspects of wireless LAN. Once we get beyond a handful of APs in our network, we need to start thinking about uh, scaling things up in terms of a centralised management and some sort of control function to coordinate uh, access points. We also did uh, an update of our reference model. Now, if you think back to the very early days of the podcast, we had a reference model which was based on our standard edge uh, distribution and core model and we've sort of updated that to uh, plug in the uh, wireless LAN controllers at the uh, distribution layer of our reference model. We also took a walk through the history of wireless LAN controllers. We sort of talked about the requirement for them which evolved over time and how wireless LAN controllers have evolved uh, from dedicated hardware platforms right through to uh, virtualized devices. We've got cloud services and even dual function APs now to provide the wireless LAN controller functionality. We also talked in some detail uh, about the various concepts around the control management and data planes of uh, wireless LAN infrastructure. The control plane is providing our decision-making and coordination functions. We've got the uh, management plane, which is providing the uh, configuration uh, management type options for our wireless LAN infrastructure. And we've got the data plane, which is actually the logical and physical uh, pathways that our client traffic passes over uh, to get access to the various services we provide around our wired network. We also looked in a little bit more detail uh, about what we mean by a wireless LAN controller, particularly uh, talking about the different form factors which are available. We also looked at uh, wireless LAN controller connectivity within our network. We talked about the data plane paths and how wireless access points actually form their tunnels, connect back to wireless LAN controllers to provide control management and uh, data paths. Uh, we also looked at a few other miscellaneous wireless LAN control functions, things like centralised firewalling, content filtering, uh, guest portals, that type of thing, some of the other um, lesser known functions that we need to consider, which we can also uh, obtain by uh, deploying a wireless LAN controller. And then we also looked at alternatives to wireless LAN controllers, and we looked at the pros and cons of various form factors and uh, the various implementations which are available. Well, I hope this module has been of use to you. Uh, as I say, we've covered an awful lot of information and uh, certainly recommend that if you get a chance to have a look at the slide deck which accompanies this particular module uh, and maybe even take time to uh, work through the module again. We covered a lot of ground, a lot of concepts. Uh, some of them are very important as well when you're considering uh, design and actually uh, deploying your own wireless LAN infrastructure for enterprise type environments. Just like to remind you if you'd like to get the slides for this particular podcast and any of the previous podcasts, uh, you can visit my website which is wififorbeginners.com and there you can also find all of the uh, accompanying quizzes and uh, audio material uh, which you can download for free and uh, various other resources which I'm adding over time to the website okay well thank you very much for joining me on this particular podcast we'll be moving on to module seven in the next podcast where we'll start to take a look at the very important topic of security in wireless land networks thanks so much for joining me i look forward to joining you again soon on the next episode of the wi-fi for beginners podcast